I'd say good morning again, but I've said it like twice already, so no more good mornings for you guys. Um, what I do want to say, though, is I want to say a big thank you to the, uh, the Chapel Lights uh, ministry who uh, just put together a really, really great uh, event last night. We had, I don't know, I don't know if we got a count of how many people. We had probably 25, 30 people there. Um, several people cooked really good food, um, and uh, just, and, and yes, uh, I cooked food, and I was so happy to lose to Jason because... Man, I could have taken that whole pan home. I just, oh, it was so good. <laughs> Only thing would have been better was if it had bacon in it. But uh, uh, last week we started on a journey to discover for the first time, some of us, uh, or to rediscover if we've uh, been around uh, for a while, the 10 core values of the Brethren in Christ Church. And you'll see um, in your bulletins again this week, um, we have this just little flyer that uh, outlines the 10 core values of the Brethren in Christ Church. Uh, if, you've, if you've lost yours, if you want another one, there's more out on the table uh, in the uh, vestibule. Uh, but these are our 10 core values, and we're going to kind of uh, look through them uh, in a little more detail over the next several weeks. And last week, we, dis we uh, kind of explored the first core value. Um, experiencing God's love and grace. And of course, every week we want to talk about experiencing God's love and grace. But we kind of looked at this from a, a perspective of the church, of a perspective of Scripture. And we saw that God uh, reveals himself in many ways. He reveals himself in nature. And he does this uh, for his glory. And he also uh, shows his magnificence, his power uh, through his creation. And that includes us. As human beings, uh, we think about this universe and how vast it is, and that we, as far as, as far as we know, we are the only beings on, in the universe that God has sent his son to die for, that God has decided to create and to love, and he wants to be in relationship with us. And we also learned that when we decide to accept God's free gift of salvation through the death and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ, we have the glory of God within us. And we are supposed to let that glory shine to the world. And we see that verse that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, you are the light of the world, and that light is the glory of God. And the rest of the core values that we're going to talk about are those things that apply to those people who call themselves Christians, those people who have said yes to God's free gift of salvation. And of course, they are believing the Bible, worshiping God, and these are on, on that list, following Jesus, belonging to the community of faith, witnessing to the world, serving compassionately, pursuing peace, living simply, relying on God. All of these things are things that we are to strive for, that we are to do as we build our relationship with God, as we become stronger disciples of Jesus Christ. And this morning, we're going to look at the second of these core values, and that is believing the Bible. And I'm going to start just by throwing uh, some statistics at you, and there will be a quiz later, so pay close attention. I say that to all my students. But the Bible is by far the best-selling book 
in the world of all time. It's estimated just between 1815 and 1975 that over 5 billion Bibles had been printed. 5 billion Bibles had been printed in just that amount of time. And in 2016 alone, Gideon's International, and some of us remember when Gideon's uh, put uh, Bibles into the hotel dressers and things like that. Uh, but Gideon's International in 2016 distributed 54,460 Bibles worldwide. That was 100 Bibles per minute that, that the Gideons had given out to people. And then, not just counting the, the print versions of the Bible, but now we have Bible apps. How many of you have a Bible app on your smartphone? Most of us do, right? Over 100 million copies of the most popular Bible app, version, has been downloaded since 2017. And that's the version that I have on my phone. And they say that at any given second of the day, over 66,000 people are using a Bible app at any given second. 87% of Americans own at least one Bible. The average American owns three. And the average Christian American owns nine and wants to buy more. And I did a count. I, was, I saw that statistic and I'm like, well, yeah, that, wow, that's a lot. And I did a count of all of our Bibles, just in my, in, in my office area. I wasn't looking like for Wendy's personal Bible and the boys. We have 15 Bibles on our shelves. The Jesus Storybook Bible. We have the Action Bible. Those are the ones for the kids. And the Adventurer's Bible. Then we have something called the Street Bible, which was a uh, kind of an, an interpretation, a translation done in more modern street language. Um, we have the voice, we have the family reading Bible, a chronological study Bible, couples devotional Bible, Bibles, Bibles everywhere. I have a study Bible in my office that's about this thick and it's got full color pictures and it talks about geography and history and archaeology, all of those things. And then of course my primary Bible is, is my ESV journaling Bible, which has little... Um, places on the side that you can kind of take notes and do things. And, I, and, and mine is, is full of those things. That was a gift from Wendy one Christmas. We even have a Bible Across America. Anybody heard of Bible Across America? Um, about seven or eight years ago, they took a tour of the United States. This, this group took a tour of the United States, and they had people handwrite the entire NIV Bible, and they put it into this, into this book. So Americans do not lack for Bibles. There are a lot of Bibles around, and Christians certainly have some impressive collections. A lot of us might have the old family Bibles. You remember those that were like 87 pounds? And they had all of the birth records. And they actually, uh, for a while, they were using family Bibles as like official birth records and death records. And they would use those things. But with all the Bibles that we have, and all the Bibles that have been distributed around the world, there are still people that do not have access to God's Word, to the Bible. One in five people 
around the world do not have access to the Bible in their own language. And we know how important it is to have that in our language. One in five people. And more only have small portions of the Bible. Some of them have just chapters. Some of them have like a whole New Testament. And thankfully, organizations like Wycliffe, the American Bible Society, SIL International, they're working to get these, these Bibles translated into all of these languages. But there are over 7,000 languages on earth. And this is why it's important that God has revealed himself in nature, in creation, so that people can at least see God's glory, even if they can't read about it in the Bible. But once they have a Bible, once we have a Bible, or once we have 15 Bibles, what do we do with it? What do we do with the Bible once we have it in our hands? Well, that's a stupid question, right? We read it. Except we don't. According to several surveys, including one done by Gallup, which is a secular survey taker, and one done by Lifeway, which is Lifeway Christian bookstores, only 11% of American Christians read their Bible daily. 11%. Another 5% or maybe 6% only read it three or four, maybe five times a week. Pretty regularly. Over 50% of American Christians report only reading the Bible three or four times a year. In our official doctrine of the Brethren in Christ Church, which is in that manual of doctrine and government, that document that tells us how we do things and what we believe, the BIC's church says that it believes that it is the nature of God to make himself known. And God reveals himself to humanity in various ways. Last week we looked at nature, we looked at creation. Most clearly, God reveals himself in the Old and New Testaments of the Bible. And the church says we accept these divinely inspired writings as the authoritative word of God. And most Christians say that the Bible is the authority for the Christian life. Would you agree with that? That the Bible is the, the one book that tells us how we are supposed to live, the things that Jesus wants us to do and not do? Most of us believe that the Bible guides us into lives that are pleasing for God, and yet fewer than 20% of American Christians read their Bibles on what we could possibly call a regular basis. 20%. If only 20% of my economics students read their textbook, they'd fail economics. If only 20% of Christians are reading the Bible, what are they going to fail at? At least we hear the Bible once a week at church, right? A lot of people say that, that that's the only time that they read the Bible or hear the Bible. But only 25% of Americans attend church on any given Sunday. That's a lot of people not hearing the Bible and this lack of regular Bible reading, this lack of church attendance. That, that, uh, and and Miss Kathy gave us a great uh, children's story about why church is important. 
But this lack of reading and attendance has led to two extremely shocking statistics that I read this week. First, studies show that 57% of American Christians believe that Jesus Christ is not the only way to eternal life. And only 22% of American Christians believe that the Bible is the divinely inspired word of God. About 12% believe that it's a book full of fables written by men. We are facing a crisis of faith in this country, and I believe that one of the reasons we are facing this crisis of faith is because people aren't using the one book that we say we believe that God has revealed himself in. And this morning I want to talk about why Bible reading is crucial to our Christian faith so that we as individuals and as Morning Hour Chapel can strengthen our faith so that we can live according to the will of God and so that we have the ability to tell other people in a truthful and knowledgeable way who God is and what his plans are. Because I got to tell you, there's a lot of Christians out there that are telling a whole lot of things about God, a whole lot of things about Jesus that have never picked up the Bible. And this is, this is causing a, a crisis of faith. As we read the Bible, it becomes clear that God uses his word as revelation. He reveals his nature. He makes himself known to us all throughout the Bible. Last week, we saw God's revelation of himself in creation. Uh, in Psalm 19:1, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. And Paul in Romans uh, 1:20 talks about how God reveals himself, even if you've never read a Bible, for his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. And Colossians 1.16 says, For by him all things were created in heaven and in earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. We see God in creation. And it's been amazing to me when I, I took a, a world uh, Christianity course through the Brethren in Christ Church, and it's been amazing to me that there are people who have gone to faraway places where nobody has ever gone to preach the gospel before. And they encounter people who already kind of know what they're talking about. They don't know that it's called, that, that, that what they know is called God. But they know that there's something. Because God reveals himself that way. But apart from his creation, apart from nature, the primary way that God has revealed himself most clearly is through the Bible. In the Old and New Testaments, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, that starts this book, says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. 
God created the world through Jesus Christ. And then Jesus Christ came to that creation. And he lived and he taught and he healed. And he died so that his human creation might live. And we learn these things in the Bible. The Old Testament of the Bible is a written record of those things that God said to us through the prophets. And a prophet is, it, it's not a mind reader, it's not a fortune teller, it's just somebody who teaches and proclaims the word of God. What God says to them. And the first prophet named in scripture, anybody know who the first prophet named in scripture was? Abraham. In Genesis chapter 20, God is speaking to King Abimelech. Abimelech this has, has taken Sarah, Abraham's wife, for his own because he didn't know that she was his wife. And God comes and tells Abimelech that he's doing wrong, that he is sinning by taking another man's wife. And of course, Abimelech says, whoa, I didn't know. And God said, yeah, I know you didn't know. That's why I'm telling you. <laughs> and then he says in verse 7, Now then return the man's wife, for he is a prophet, so that he will pray for you and you shall live. And in verse 17, we read that Abraham does pray for Abimelech. And we see things kind of go back to the way they're supposed to be. in Abimelech's kingdom and his family and his Servants, all of these people who were suffering are now not suffering because Abraham the prophet prayed for them. This reveals in Scripture a God who speaks through those whom he chooses and who will speak for him. Moses was another prophet. In fact, he's considered one of God's favorite Prophets. We read in Exodus 33:11, the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Moses and God were close. And when Moses first encountered God, God told Moses of his plan of salvation for the people of Israel who had been enslaved by Egypt for 400 years. But this was God's plan of saving Israel his people, and he told this to Moses through the burning bush. And this revealed a, a God that loves his people and loves them so much that he wants to save them. And we see this way back in Exodus. And then God revealed to Moses his laws, those things that God expected the Israelites to do, the way that he expected them to live their lives. And he gave Moses authority to communicate those laws, and he gave, them, he gave Moses authority to ensure that the laws were being followed. And we read throughout Exodus that Moses sat and judged between the people and made sure that things were happening the right way. Paul writes in Romans 7, 7, if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had said, you shall not covet. God revealed through his law what was wrong. And he revealed how Israel might show God's glory by doing 
what is right. And of course, he did establish consequences if Israel did what was wrong. In this, God revealed his justice. At one point, God had told Israel that he was going to send them into exile for 70 years because of they, their refusal for years and maybe even decades of, of refusing to do God's law. But then in Jeremiah 29, verses 10 to 14, we read something incredible. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, it's where Israel was exiled to, I will visit you. And I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. This passage in Jeremiah does nothing more than show God's grace and his mercy to his people. God says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will heal, heal their land. I will bring them back to the place that I had prepared for them in the first place. The single most significant way, though, that God has revealed himself uh, to humanity is through his son, Jesus Christ, and we read about Jesus Christ in the New Testament. And we remember we see in Hebrews 1-2, it says, In these last days he has spoken to us by his Son. His Son, Jesus Christ. And in John chapter 1, we read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And a few verses later it said, And the Word became flesh. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the Son, of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And we read just some of the things that Jesus said and did in the Gospels. And we could only read some of the things that he did because John also tells us there are many other things that Jesus did were every one of them to be written, I suppose, that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Jesus came and he lived a life that shined the glory of the Father. But we don't just end in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, although that's a really good place to start. If you have never read the Bible before, or if you've never read large portions of the Bible, start with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Start with the words and the actions of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, you will be amazed at the things that Jesus did. You'll probably also be amazed at uh, some of the things that maybe you've heard uh, wrong that people have t said about Jesus. But you will definitely be amazed. 
at the glory of God shining through Christ. But Jesus also speaks in the book of Acts. Right at the beginning of the book of Acts, he tells his disciples to stay in Jerusalem and that they're going to receive power from the Holy Spirit. And in Acts chapter 9, he shows up on the road to Damascus where Saul, a Pharisee, is on his way to Damascus to persecute Christians. And in Acts 9, Saul sees this blinding light and he hears this voice and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. He spoke directly to Saul. And three days later, Saul did nothing more for the rest of his life than to proclaim Jesus Christ. And we see Jesus acting and speaking in the book of Revelation where God reveals his son as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Through Jesus Christ, God revealed his whole self. Through his son, he revealed his justice. He revealed his mercy, his grace, and his love. And these are many of the ways that the Bible reveals who God is. But there's still a problem. We can read the Bible. And I've known people that have read the Bible from cover to cover numerous times. They don't believe it. They think maybe it's a good book of morals, maybe, some parts. But they don't believe the Bible. And this is the problem that we come to. Is the Bible believable? Brethren in Christ says we believe the Bible. We believe it to be divinely inspired. We believe it to be the authority on our lives. But is the Bible what 2 Timothy 3.16 calls God-breathed or the inspired word of God? Well, as we saw last week, if we don't believe that God exists, then the Bible's going to mean nothing. If we don't believe that God reveals himself in nature or God reveals himself through his people, the Bible is just a book of words. But if we do believe that God exists, if we get to that step, if we get to that part, how can we trust that the Bible is God's word? Well, the Bible itself says a lot about this. First Timothy uh, sorry, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And Jesus himself, when he prayed for his disciples in John chapter 17, said, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And the apostle Peter, I love this description in 2 Peter 1 Verses 20 to 21, I think he best describes what Scripture is. He says, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone else's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That's what prophecy is. 
Prophecy is men hearing the voice of God, women hearing the voice of God, and being moved by the Holy Spirit to reveal what God has revealed about himself to us. And the most important way that he's done that is through his word. And Peter mentions the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is called the breath of light, or the breath of God in the Bible. Genesis 1-2 says, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And Psalm 33-6 goes on and says, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host. The Holy Spirit is the breath of God, and if we don't believe those two things, or if we can't wrap our minds around those, Jesus, in John 20, 22, breathed on the disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the breath of God, and this is the heart of reading and understanding the Bible. Those of you who read it every day, those of you who read it four or five times a week, those of you who read it three or four times a year, this is the center of it all. We must read the Bible with the desire that the Holy Spirit will carry us along to understanding it. Jesus told his disciples in John 14, 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And he did. The Holy Spirit brought to remembrance all that Jesus said and all that Jesus did, and that is why we have Matthew and Mark and Luke and John and Acts. And the rest of the Bible is how God has ministered to different churches throughout that time period. But we must rely on the Holy Spirit to reveal God's nature as we read it in the Bible. We need the Holy Spirit to help us to understand what God expects of us. And we need the Holy Spirit's power to help us to use that understanding, to guide our words and our actions all the time. This is what Scripture is useful for, training in righteousness, teaching when necessary, correcting and reproving. And this is true whether we're reading the Bible alone or whether we're reading it in a small group or whether we're reading it here on a Sunday morning. We ought to all be praying when we walk into this building on Sunday morning that the Holy Spirit will reveal something about God through His Word that we have never known before or that we have never understood before. That's what we should be using the Scriptures to do. And I want to challenge you this morning. If you are a daily reader of the Bible, keep reading. Ask the Holy Spirit 
to reveal the Father to you more and more every day. I've read through the Bible several times, and every time I read through it, I find something different, something more about who God is, about what God wants. And, and I know it's because in every aspect of my life, when I am reading it and, and I'm having a, a hard time, God's revealing something to me through the Holy Spirit. And when I'm reading it and I'm having a, a great life, I, something else is revealed by the Holy Spirit. So if you're reading it every day, keep reading it. Ask the Holy Spirit to teach you again and again. And if you're an occasional reader or not a reader at all, and you are a Christian, you have accepted the free gift of Jesus Christ's death and resurrection, and you have asked forgiveness for your sins, I want to encourage you to make a plan and start reading the Bible every day and ask the Holy Spirit to help you understand it. And there are literally dozens of Bible reading plans out there on the internet that you can print. Almost all Bibles now that are sold have reading plans either in the front or in the back of them. And you can use a beginner plan. You can use a one-year plan. There's 90-day plans. We've done 90 days through the Bible here. There are, there are topical plans. There are chronological plans. There are all kinds of plans. And if you have a Bible app like version, if your Bible app, you can take a look, and it, it should have a place that says plans. And you can start a plan, and it will keep track for you that you are on track to complete that plan. But again, use the plan as the starting point. But read the Bible using help from the Holy Spirit. Yesterday morning, I sent out an email to everyone. Probably most of them went to your junk mail. So check your junk mail. It went, I had Wendy check because it's, I sent it to her too. And she said, oh yeah, I went to my junk mail. Might have went to your junk mail. But it is a link to a one-year reading plan. And I did. I printed out the plan itself. And these are out on the table uh, in the vestibule if you want to pick one up. It's a one-year reading plan. And this is great. It, it gives you what you're supposed to read each day. It kind of gives you a little bit of information about what it is that you're reading. But if you go to the email and you download this, the PDF has links to videos and blog posts and things like that that might um, encourage you to study even further, to learn a little bit more about what that portion of the Bible is talking about. And if you read through this plan, it will, have, it will take you through the entire Bible once, and it'll take you through the book of Psalms, I think like two and a half times in a year. So I want to encourage you. And if you don't want to use this one, use something else. But one of the biggest things that we can do is we can make a plan. Without a plan, we're kind of lost, right? Make a plan to read every day. Find a time and find a space, even if it's five or ten minutes, to read God's Word every day. To learn who he is. I want to encourage you to do that. Make it an everyday practice because we simply will not know the, full, the fullness of God, the fullness of his glory, the fullness of what he wants for us 
and His will for our lives. If we're not reading His Word, we're never going to get there. I want to encourage you. Start reading. Keep reading. Whatever you're doing, get into God's Word every day. Because one other consequence of that is if we don't know God's Word, how can we tell people about Jesus? How can we tell them about the glory of God if we have not read His words? If we have not experienced the Holy Spirit teaching us? And I think that that's what this church wants, at least the people that I've talked to. We want to share Jesus Christ with East Berlin and Pennsylvania and anywhere else that we go. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that uh, you have brought us here this morning. Thank you that you have led us to this video on YouTube. And Father, we thank you that you are not just a God who threw everything into existence and then left. You are a God that is intimately involved with your creation. And we thank you that we can see your glory through nature. But we thank you even more that it was your will to inspire 40 men to write down the words that you have spoken, the things that you have done and the things that your people have done through you. Father, I ask that we as individuals, that we as a church will be in your word every day. That we will pray for the Holy Spirit's help and guidance and teaching to understand those things that we might have trouble with. Father, we believe that you have revealed yourself through your word. Help us to know it and then help us to live it. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Those of you who were here for the movie last night might remember this, but in one part of the movie, uh, a woman encouraged a brand new Christian to read Ephesians chapter 1 and 2 and to write down all of the things that just those two chapters tell us about our identity in Jesus Christ. Verse 3 says, Praise be to God the Father and of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing of Christ. If you do nothing else this week to get into reading the Bible, read Ephesians chapter 1 and 2 and write down all of the things that show who you are, who your identity is in Jesus Christ. I think it will encourage you to continue reading this book. God bless you this week.